Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. So hello and welcome to the Anyone's Game weekly podcast. I am Kenny Bogue and joining me on the show to discuss the world of women's football is Hearts striker Leah Tweedy, broadcaster Heather Dewar and Anyone's Game's very own Robbie Hanratty. So welcome to the show everyone. Hello. Nice to be here Kenny. Hi, Well, thank you for joining us. So, firstly, on the podcast, we're going to look ahead at what is a massive weekend, obviously, of SWPL action. Uh, It's all going on at the top of the SWPL. What a Sunday we have coming up, guys. Um, Glasgow City face Rangers at the Falkirk Stadium, knowing a win or a draw will see them crown champions. It's going to be a sunny day. We'll have our shorts on. There's fans in the stadium. Robbie, just how much are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. I can't believe we're finally into the final day of this season. It's felt like a whirlwind, obviously, with the postponements during winter, and now we're back. But the fact that there's only three points separate, Glasgow City and Celtic, going into the final day, it's magnificent for a TV point of view and a, I guess, pundit point of view, because it's no clear winner. Anything can happen on the day, especially with Glasgow City playing Rangers, who beat them 5-0 early in the season. And Leah, obviously you've played against these sides all season. Who do you expect to come out on top on Sunday? Um, for me, I don't see um, I I don't see Glasgow City dropping uh, all three points against Rangers. I think they'll get at least a point out of that. So I see I see Glasgow City taking it. Yeah, and Heather, obviously you've covered the league all season. How do you see it going in the final day? Oh well, that's it's such a tough one. I think I'd have to agree with um, the other two there. I think that. I, I think personally, Rangers um, have been a little bit nervous in their big games. Uh, when I say big games, I mean the ones that really count this season, those against Celtic, uh, those against Glasgow City. And that's where they failed. And that's where ultimately they've lost the league. Uh, I think that they would have been big contenders for the league had it not been for that and also losing Kirsty Harrett. So I think City will pull it out of the bag. Um, just because they've got the experience. They they know when to do it when it matters. And yeah, I think they'll do it. Yeah, and obviously Celtic face Motherwell, knowing that if Rangers can do them a favour, then and they can beat Motherwell by enough goals, Celtic can win their first ever SWPL title. Robbie, what do you think? Can can a miracle happen? Well, Celtic's form has been really good recently under Fran Alonso. I'm beating in it over... Over the last five games, they've unbeaten, they've won games, they've done it both ways, they've won games by a single goal and they've also scored 10 goals in games. And I think Celtic have got players that can go out and put a great performance against Motherwell and win convincingly, but then we're not going to write off Motherwell too because they've made a lot of improvements. But as the other two say, Glasgow City, with the experience they've got, they've got a 23-player squad of players, international players, any one of those players on that pitch will be out there to lift the 14th SWPL title and just, I guess it can even be the most significant because the first time they've had that title race of Celtic and Rangers up behind them. Yeah, they've had Hibs in the past, but I think this could be really significant for Glasgow City and I'm sticking my guns, they can do it. And Leah, obviously you, uh, again, you've played these teams, but... Just how, how upsetting would it be for the Celtic players? Because what a run they've been on. And they just might, you know, get no, 
no fault of their own, but they might just fall at the final hurdle. You know, they could win 11 nil and still not win the league. Yeah, um, they've obviously had a, a great run of games and, you know, they've really grasped um, their opportunity by doing everything in, within their control. Um, but I, I think sometimes, you know, the professionalism of Glasgow City is that they've been very consistent from the first game of the season right up into the last um, where Celtic managed to to drop points in some games where, you know, they would have been disappointing to do so. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I absolutely credit to them. They've had a, a great run of games, but, you know, it's out with their control at the minute. Yeah, exactly. And Heather, though, I mean, the, the one silver lining for Celtic, of course, would be that Champions League spot. What a great achievement that would be in their first sort of full-time full-time season, wouldn't it? Kenny, listen, Celtic never thought that they would win the league. I mean, Fran Alonso pretty much said that in one of his first press conferences when they first came back from, um, you know, the latest lockdown. Um, I think where they are now is brilliant. I think that they've, they've, I wouldn't like to say they've overachieved, but if I can put it like that from a kind of media perspective, I don't think that we would have thought that they would be where they are now because there was so much hoo-ha about Rangers and Glasgow City ahead of the, the season. Would Rangers, you know, challenge City for the for the title and those two would be the top two? And Fran Alonso, the way that he's played it all the way through in almost every single press conference, and I keep mentioning this because it is worth noting, he's really underplayed everything. He's been very clever with what he's done. I'm not saying he's been playing mind games, but he's always said, well, you know, we'll we'll take what we can get effectively. And if we're there, great. And yes, I want to get into the Champions League, I, but I don't know when that will be. They've never gone out and said, we are going to win the league. We are definitely going to be this. They've been very humble about the way that they do things. They've been going about their business quietly in the background. They've been extremely consistent. And it's their consistency overall that's brought them to where they are in the league now. For them, making the Champions League and what that represents next season will be absolutely massive. Do not underplay that. And I'm sure that Fran Alonso you know, will come out and, and say that in his next press conference. Um, it's looking very likely that they will achieve that. And congratulations to them if they do manage that, because they've come from relatively nowhere to the prospect of being in a Champions League next season, where if you reach the last 16, the, the group stage of the competition, you'll receive £400,000 400, sorry, per team. I mean, this is incredible. What we're looking at now in terms of, you know, European football next season for for any team in Scotland is game-changing. It really is. Now, I know that there is money um, behind City. There is money behind Rangers. There's money to a certain degree as well behind Celtic. I, I don't know uh, specifically how much each of those clubs are pumping into the team um, in terms of players and in terms of facilities and everything else that goes along with that. But the prospect of being in that group stage and then moving further, you know, it just can't be underestimated. The winner will receive up to 1.4 million euros. We've never seen that before. I mean, it's it really is quite incredible. So to be among the big guns and to be in that, to have a chance, it's really, really significant. So for me, I would I, I would almost go as far as saying Celtic, 
you know, City, if those are the top two, if it does finish that way, you know, will Celtic win the title? Maybe they won't win the title, but they'll be so delighted with Champions League. Will it really matter that much? It's got to go and win it next year. I totally, I totally agree with you, Heather. And Fan Alonso, he's such a cool guy. Like when I spoke to him at matches and press conferences, he's, he's very chilled out. And I would say they're definitely dark horses in a way. Yeah, we know Celtic's a massive club, but I totally agree with you. They've came a wee bit out of nowhere, done their things behind the scene. Because looking at Rangers' stats, they've scored the most goals and conceded the least goals in the league this season. But yet they've lost four games this season. So it just shows how mad yeah. it is that they might have done their work attackingly and defensively, but they still might lose out on a Champions League spot, which I think, as you say about the money-wise, it would be significant to lose out on the Champions League spot, not just money-wise, but for attracting players, I guess. That's it. I mean, I, I was looking at that as well, actually. If you look at the, the stats, so City have only lost once this season. Celtic have lost twice. Rangers have lost four times this season. So it, it does make sense where they are. Now, they may pull a massive rabbit out of a hat on Sunday. So let's not discount them completely because they might just do it. And because of the goal difference, we, we could see an entirely different scenario happening. You know, they could do Celtic a massive favour on the final day, which would be a huge story in itself. But, you know, again, and I reiterate, the loss of, of Kirsty Hauer, I, I think, has just been absolutely massive for, for Rangers. I, Leah, I don't know whether you agree with that, but I think that's... That's almost been the turning point for them for me. I know they went on to that. I think it was the was it the game after Leo where they hammered four for eleven nil? Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, Kirsty Herbert, she's she was a massive part of that squad and for for me she was the you know, the real goal scorer of that team and having her um out due to injury, it, it was a massive loss, and they didn't really have because you know Zoe and S had been playing a sort of deeper role this season um, in midfield, and they they had to then put her back up into the sort of striker position, but they didn't really have an out and out striker goal scorer like Kirsty Howitt to to actually take her place. I think you're right. I think that was a massive loss, and that that point in the season was pivotal for them because the actual game that Kirsty um, got injured was the game when they um, lost the late goal to Celtic. So I think that that was sort of when everything started to go a little bit downhill for them. And I I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying about the full Champions League thing. I think, you know, it'll be a, a massive challenge for, for Malky at Rangers to attract players uh, without being able to offer Champions League um, because the, the calibre of the players at that that uh, team is massive and you know these players I, I know for sure want to be playing Champions League so that's a big big disappointment for them and I think even securing the players that they've got just now to then sign for another season will, will prove difficult because they want to be playing at the highest level in the world which is which is Champions League so um, they've, they're, they're definitely up against it and then from a financial point of view, like you say, um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I can imagine that it would be difficult to get back in from the club when they've invested a lot of money um, to to then not qualify for Champions League. You know, I'm sure they'll be getting asked questions. 
Well, that's something I was going to touch on. Is obviously Rangers have invested a lot um, and into the team, and obviously, but they're looking like they're going to fail. Let's be honest. So, what, what where do Rangers go for here, Robbie? I mean, do they do they invest more money? Do they try and change the management? Well, I, I don't know if it's a stage to be pointing fingers at Malky Thompson and changing the management. Yeah, they have lost all the old firm games to Celtic this season, and as we spoke about on the podcast before, no matter if it's under 18s, kids football, women's. An old firm game is massive to these people. So to lose the old firm games, I do question the mentality of those players. But I feel the whole SWPL from next SWPL one from next season has got to be a lot of investment into it, not just with the Champions League teams, but the whole the whole league. So I th- I feel like Rangers, if it, if they do fall, they'll just have to come back stronger next season. I'll use Leicester City as an example. They've obviously men's team finished fifth at the last hurdle. The last two years, and they'll want to go back stronger. And I'm sure Rangers will if they do. If the impossible doesn't happen on Sunday next season, they'll just have to build back better, I guess. Kenny, can I just um, just add to that? Um, I mean, I, I'm at the moment. Okay, there is people from the outside looking in might not think that there is an awful lot of parity between some of the sides at, at the moment because of the coronavirus and the accessibility um, to a lot of the, the facilities and things like that. So Rangers, as far as I understand, have only been training, you know, an hour and a half, exactly the same as, as other teams. They don't have access to all the facilities that they would normally have access to, right? So next season, they will have access Fingers crossed we don't have another coronavirus situation, um, but they will have access to some of the stuff they haven't had access to before. So you're talking about players who came in in December, for example, the the Kirsty Howitts, um, Rachel and Sam uh, Kerr. So these guys haven't seen that. They haven't been a part of the Rangers squad when they've actually had all those facilities because they've been knocked out of the equation, you know, thanks to the coronavirus. So when things reopen, I think... Rangers need to capitalise on that and make the most of the advantage that they do have when it comes to, you know, access to SMC, when it comes to access to the, the pool, I'm sure there's a pool there, and the gym and everything else that they've got access to and regroup and become proper full-time athletes. And I think that is when you will start to see the difference because although, yes, they are full-time athletes at the moment, they haven't been able to do what they've wanted to do because of the coronavirus. So, I do think Rangers will challenge much more. And I, I disagree on there needing to be new management. I think that that would be a, a bad move at this present time when things are, you know, they've been all over the place with coronavirus. Things are still in motion. The teams are, you know, they're still growing as a team. Once Kirsty's back from her ACL, things will improve. But I wouldn't I wouldn't look at doing a change of management. And I, and I would think that, things will be positive for them next season. Would you agree with that, Leah? 100%. You know, I think um, the the girls at Rangers have all got good relationships with Malky. And um, I think that in some uh, senses it could be deemed as unsuccessful, but also, you've got to remember that this is a group of girls that a lot of them have never played football together. They've you know, a big part of the team, the core team, only came in, I think it was maybe six months ago at summertime. So, again, you've they're getting it, you know, they are getting a fair amount of stick, but I also sometimes then remind myself, you know, 
it sometimes takes a little while to build the foundations of the team. And I think watching them play and playing against them, they're a really good side. They play really good football. Um, so I don't, I don't think that from a management point of view, it's been unsuccessful. I just think that, you know, on paper it has, but um, I think that they can use this season to really build the foundations and then next season, you know, fix the sort of snagging list and and kick on and really be challenging for first and second um, place, which I think they're more than capable of doing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's a group of players that, they'll be getting better and better as they play together as a group. I totally agree with both of that perspectives as such. And I think, Heather, you put a really good point across because we spoke to Lizzie Arnott on the podcast and she said the same in terms of you can't really be even like seeing the Rangers. You can bounce off the Rangers men's team success, but you're not really seeing them about or having access to everything. And I think even with like relegation places, I know Leah's side are down at that end of the table. I think we can put this season as such as like a freak season. We've had an enforced break. We've played throughout the winter and everything. And there's been a p- the pandemic. So I think next season will be when we really see things properly, given the circumstances we've been in. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think for me, and I don't know whether... Leah and Robbie, you agree, but it's been a great season in as far as there's been a hell of a lot getting in the way of it. You know, you guys, Leah included, obviously, you know, you've you've managed to wager through, wager, you know, your way through the storm, as it were, and, um, you know, put on some great performances. I think Hearts, just looking at um, your team, you know, that they are actually improving all the time, which is great. You see teams improving. Spartans have been looking great. Um, I fear for Forfer, um, but what, what's been for me the, the best thing out of everything is it's change. And some people don't like change. Some people will always fight against change. But at the end of the day, we talk about change when it comes to women's football all the time. Oh, this needs to happen and that needs to happen. And we're never going to get anywhere if it, we don't have change. Well, this is happening right now as we speak changes underway because for the first time ever we're seeing a real proper challenge at the top now i know there has been a challenge before can't remember what year it is leah you might be able to tell me was it 2014 oh, when hips it must have been yeah oh, I, 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 spartans were up there weren't they the three of them Hibs, spartans there was and, um and uh, there, was, there was one season when it came right down to the last game yeah, yeah. I, I think we, it was we, maybe even a bit more recently than that but I can't. I can't remember the exact year yeah, to be honest, because I was yeah. at Hibs at the time, so yeah. I remember it clearly. But um, I think it was only three points between yourselves and City, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah. since then, it's been you know it's been City dominant for so many years. But and just to have the conversations that we're having right now, you know, will it be Rangers? Will it be Spartan? Um, will it be um, Celtic? Sorry even if Rangers have no chance in the title, will it be the Champions League? So you've got two different dynamics there, and that is just fantastic for the game. It's brilliant because it's creating a buzz. And what does creating a buzz do? It means more and more people are interested. What does that do? It means more and more people want to watch the game, and that's what we've all been crying out for for so long when it comes to women's football because without that, it can't progress. Yeah, yeah, to- totally. And we've, we've been saying this for a while as well. And speaking about progression and you're saying 
about it's evolving and people don't like change. The fact that for next season, there's got to be an expanded SWPL1 as well with two teams coming up from the SWPL2. And we spoke to Aberdeen woman co-manager Emma Hunter on the podcast previously, and she was saying how Aberdeen have really high plans to not just compete in the SWPL1, or obviously if they get promoted, that is, but to like challenge um, near the top end of the table. So it's things like that that... The growth encourages other teams to keep up and also do that. And for you, Leah, obviously as a player, I know results haven't been great this season, but are you enjoying the buzz around the game and the more coverage and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, 100%. And again, we're we're maybe quite uh, similar to Rangers that we've really used this season to build the sort of foundations. I mean, I don't think that was their goal but that's kind of how it's worked out for them but um, it's it's great to see even you know f- from, from a, a fan point of view you know it's like the first time like Heather said in a long time that it's really been not you know you could like you say debate that Hibs have challenged for it which you know they certainly have and especially having a lot of success in the, in the Cups but it's the first time really that there's been three, arguably even four teams in the mix, um, all taking points off each other up, up the top. And even, you know, we haven't had a great season, but, you know, we managed to get three points against Hibs. And, you know, things like that is it's great to see because it's rare. And I think in previous seasons, it's almost, you know, who's going to win. and. Yeah that's difficult to attract fans when it's like that. So to have it that every week is exciting and every fixture, any team could come out up on top, it's, it's only going to attract people. Oh, definitely. Well, we better move on, guys, for time. But we're going to obviously, um, Leah, ask you a few questions about your career. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, how, how did you get into football? Um, just like where I'm from. So I, I live in Roslyn, just outside Edinburgh. So... Um, in my in my street, um, there's a couple of boys that are the same age as me, um, and I think that even from like a really young age, like two, when I like I was a little bit of a a toddler, I was a wee um, sort of menace kicking things, kicking balls about and stuff. But um, having the boys in my street, we just always played football, and I think that just really encouraged me to like and you know grew my love for the game. And then it's like when I was about. I must have been about eight when I joined um, just my local boys team um, played with them for a few years and then uh, joined Hibs when I was 11 so I was at Hibs for a long time And being a big Hearts fan how was that, how did that go down with the family? <laughs> I mean at first um, you know everyone was had something to say but at the time Hearts ladies didn't have a team um, so there was always that argument <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was going to say that, Leah. Kind of drifting back to what you said about the fact you've been near the bottom, but you got that win over Hibs. Being such a big Hearts fan yourself, I seen in an article previously mentioned that. Like, what's it like beating your Edinburgh rivals in a derby? Is that like a big moment in your career getting that win as a Hearts fan? Yeah, massively. I mean, for. For me and for from a personal point of view, you know, it was it was good to 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 beat the team that I've just left. But um, I obviously have massive respect for the girls and everything like that. But 
to get that result. It was amazing. And I think in the fashion that we did it as well, it was a late minute goal. And when that happens, there's always so much buzz and so much excitement. So there was that added in the mix as well. So it was it was just an amazing feeling um, in that game. And it was the first game we'd won. Um, so yeah, there was all sorts of different factors which made it feel feel really really good. Do you think that hearts are improving? Are you feel you're feeling like that you're you're getting there, Leah. A hundred percent, and I think f- for me and for I know for a lot of the girls, it was after seeing sort of even probably the first two rounds of fixtures because. We could see it in the training pitch, you know, it was starting to click and we would do really, really well and then and then there would be times it would come to a Sunday and it just wouldn't wouldn't click. Um but in the last round of fixtures we've really managed to make it so difficult for teams, even, you know Glasgow City, you know, I think we were nil nil at half time with Celtic and all these different sort of things were were making it difficult for even the top three teams and I think it has always worked out that they've still managed to get you know some goals against us, but we've built we've built it up to this point, and I think going into next season, um, we can really then focus on getting it down even further. But not a hundred percent. If for me looking um, from an insider's point of view, the team that we had at the start of the season to now, you know, it's like night and day. I think Andy Quick, my, uh, my coach, has done an absolutely amazing job in. Um, I think it's only exciting things to come for us. That's so nice, isn't it? When you see that, and you actually can see that progression. You know, I, I yeah, you, you can you know hundred percent see that. You know, the way that you've started to bond as a team and you really gel. And you're right. You know, you're not you're not actually an easy team to play against. Um, Jenny Smith, talk to me about her. Yeah, so Jenny Jenny's young. I think she's maybe uh, eighteen. Um, She's a brilliant wee player. She's got, you know, she's got legs to run all day, um, which is always good to have if I'm playing beside <laughs> her. You know, she's she does she does the running and she's 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 got bags and bags of potential. And do you know, Jenny's one that at the start of the season she's got bounce and bounce of energy and ability, um, but I guess it she just needed somebody to sort of coach her down the right path and I think again Andy's done a great job of that and um, especially the last couple of games she's she's done amazing at creating chances for us and she you know she she trots past people like they're not even there so I think if we can use players like Jenny and manage to, to keep her at the club then you know she's a player that'll be massive for us as she gets older and gets a bit more experience She's got some speed on her doesn't she? Oh yeah, she's 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 a, she's a a really nice girl as well. So when she does well, it's it's nice. To I was see. going to also ask I was going to ask something, Leah. Speaking about like the support of Jenny, like in the team for you, but as a striker or an attacker, do you feel a bit of pressure on yourself to provide the goals when your team's obviously not winning that many games? Um. To a certain point, I guess, you know, if you get one chance, it's incredibly important. But on the other hand, there has been games, you know, quite honestly, we've we've not had any chances at all. So I think in those games, I, I wouldn't really feel much pressure because um, the style that we've played a lot of the season is that I've been quite isolated. So I don't, you know, realistically, there's, there's not a huge amount of expectation for me to you know, create chances um, 
myself. So I guess as a team, but um, we can can strive for that um, next season. And something I was going to ask about earlier. Obviously, I was at the Spartans game. You ended up in goals. How, oh God! How does that decision come? If you know what I mean. I think, to be honest, I'm the only one that is crazy enough to even offer that. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> no, I, I think... you know, I'm actually good at goals. Like, in training and stuff, I'm always like, well, I'm saying I'm always going to go in training. There's been a few times I've been in goals in training and just like kicking about and stuff. Everyone always jokes saying, like, I'm good in goals. And then I went in goals <laughs> and just, it just all went to pop. <laughs> <laughs> something to say something to say to people you've done though like am I right am I right yeah. saying you played for Hibs in the Champions League before yeah yeah I have done a couple yeah, of times yeah what, what, what is it like playing in like a Champions League game yeah, it's amazing so I think one of the one of the biggest things is just the actual occasion then you know the trip the sort of being able to for example, I think the last one was in, um, or one of the last ones was in Prague. Um, so it's the full occasion, you know, travelling with the girls and having all the fans there and, and then turning up on the game and it's Champions League football. It's unbelievable. And then I, when you're actually in the game, you know, I, I do feel like it's just another game. Um, obviously, it's a high standard of players and all that sort of thing but it's the full occasion and the full buzz before that that's really exciting and it makes you want to push for it again thank you for listening to part one of this week's anyone's game podcast part two which will be for premium subscribers only will be coming later this week and in that one leah tweedy talks more about hearts and the future of the gorgie club and the panel discusses Scotland manager situation and also if there will be any managerial changes in the SWPL. To become a premium subscriber, sign up on the website. At the moment, everyone who subscribes, whether they take a monthly or yearly subscription, gets a 70% discount for the first 12 months. That means you're paying no more than 60 pence a week. And by subscribing, you allow us to increase the daily coverage of women's football and do more and more. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit us at the website, which is anyonesgame.substack.com.